On today's Spotlight on KRWC, we're welcoming to studios today Peggy Reed. Peggy is with the Wright County uh, FSA. She's the County Executive Director and is in studio to uh, visit with us. And we're going to kind of make this a, a semi-regular thing here once a month or every uh, so often. So nice to have you here. Thank you. Uh, talk a little bit about your position um, at FSA and uh, some of the things you do there. The county executive director, which basically means I'm the manager of the office there, and we administer farm programs, um, governmental farm programs for the farmers. And a couple of them that we are working on currently was the conservation reserve program, which it was, we just finished up with general sign-up on the 28th of February. And now we're just waiting for the national office to rank those and send the notification back for those, and then we'll be notifying the producers if they were selected in this offer process. So Now, CRP has been something that's been around for a long time in yes. one way, shape, or form. What's right. the... Uh, tell listeners that, that may not be real familiar with it, what, what is it designed for? Well, under the general sign-up, that is usually um, designated by the Secretary of Ag, and it's usually for shorter periods of time, and like I said, then it's ranked nationally, and then they're usually looking for, for specific practices that they're trying to do um, this one, they're kind of concentrating more on grasses. There are some tree practices they're putting into it. They're basically taking egg land out of production where we're renting it for 10 to 15 years from the producer. And initially it was, um, you know, a way to to enroll kind of eh, sketchy land, yes. so to speak. Uh, yeah. You know, just to to farm only the really good lands and, and hopefully maybe create a little habitat at the same time. Right. Yep, and right now they're kind of focusing a little bit more on, on wildlife and um, there are still some marginal lands that they're trying to take out of production. Then also, as well as a general sign-up, we also have the continuous CRP sign-up, which is basically that, is that, as it sounds, it continuously is going on. And those are usually smaller practices where they'll do like the filter strips along the ditches and waterways. They will also do like um, shelter belts around the building sites or maybe even a windbreak along the edge of a field or things like that. And some of the practices that used to be covered under that have switched over now to the general sign-up. So okay. there is a little change in that. That sign up for, signing up for the continuous one will be through August 21st of 2020. And then usually you'll start back over again after the 1st of October. And tell me again about the uh, the commitment. Does it vary as far as which program is which? How, how long are producers committing this land for? Yep, sometimes it depends upon the practice. Some practices are 10 years, and some of them can be 10 to 15 years, depending upon the size. And usually sometime within that middle of that contract, they're required to do a maintenance or mid-contract management, we call it, where basically they have to go out and do some additional um, mowing or burning of the thing just to revitalize that practice again. Okay. So, so it's, uh, you know, it's something that producers have to kind of do some careful consideration for. Correct, correct. And then there is, no, I shouldn't say that now, there used to be some cost share. I think there is still a little bit of cost share for helping to establish that depending upon the practices and, like I said, the type of CRP they're putting into. That's all changing a little bit. So, All right. And uh, Conservation Reserve Program, are there 
particular spots in Wright County that are more utilized for these kind of programs than others, or is it kind of all spread out? It's kind of all spread out right now with everything. I know with the um, state buffer laws, I know we were working a little bit more with the filter strips in different areas on that, but that is pretty much over with on that. So we'll continue just to see whatever works for their practices or their areas. Yeah, I was thinking as you were talking about that earlier that a little bit tricky there because some of that is required. Correct. So, you know, there's kind of a fine line, I'm sure, between what's required, what's eligible for CRP, et cetera. Yes, and some of it, you know, was eligible for the buffer, didn't quite meet the same eligibility requirements for the CRP. So it was kind of interesting to be working on those two projects together with soil and water and Mm-hmm. The state. So, is there still a uh, a pretty good interest in this? I mean, for producers that maybe have some of these marginal spots and lands, we've always uh, said over the years or heard that you know farmers in general are always kind of the best stewards. They want the best for the, the that piece of their land yeah. that can be. So, yeah. Um, you know, over the years, we've kind of seen that it, it has changed and the requirements have changed, you know, for a while. You know, if you put it into a grass practice, you should be trying to maintain it as a grass practice. And we're finding now that some of those that went in earlier had grass practices on it. But once those trees start coming through, those volunteer trees, they are hard to manage and maintain. And so sometimes when those contracts expire, they're no longer eligible to be going back into CRP because they Mm. no longer have those required covers or they take additional work to get it back to that standards needed to be for the new CRP contract. So it isn't necessarily just uh, set it aside and forget about it. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And that's... um, we're finding that out, and I know it's they're getting to be harder and harder to manage. Some of them are, but I think if you start and you manage them on a yearly basis, they they can be maintained very well, and they do perform well then. Mm-hmm. So, and is there specific amounts of acreage, or does it all fall on what types of lands uh, they're categorized in? Some of it depends upon the type of land it is. Sometimes it depends upon what the the producer or the farmer wants to be, what type of practice they're looking for. And like I said, and then also too, it depends upon whether you're going into a general sign-up or that continuous sign-up. So there's a lot of factors going into it. There's usually um, a program we run which will tell us our three main soils types, which will also determine the rental rate on that. Okay. Um, with the general, usually you are competing against everybody in the nation, so then you sometimes have to lower that rental rate. With continuous, you can usually bid what the rental rate is determined at. So those are kind of some quick differences on that CRP. Yeah, so. I was just going to ask, too, it kind of uh, touched on it there that I remember from uh, years ago that uh, there was a process where, you know, you were kind of – uh, it's almost sort of a, not a lottery, but a, a, you know, you're in a bidding war really with other producers. Yes, yes. And not even just in the state of Minnesota, you're right. sometimes going against other states in the nation. So then depending upon what your practices are and the other 
category. Sometimes there's some environmental things that our area will have that other areas don't have or other parts of the state have that we don't have. And those all factor into that scoring process. Mm-hmm. So. And is there a finite amount of, I suppose it's more the, the funding than it is the the acreage, but is there a finite amount of what will be approved and what won't be? Each county cannot exceed 25% of the total cropland in that county to be put into CRP. And then plus, usually there isn't a national allotment as well for the CRP. And I think right now we're like 24 million heading towards, I think, 27 million. They've been changing that on us, too. So I apologize for Mm -hmm. not having those correct, you know, numbers or definite numbers on those. But yeah, so it it all does take into factor on those things. What on the producer end do um, landowners or producers, what do they need to do to kind of uh, calculate where they should be at in this process? Um, The first thing to do is contact our office and they have to have a cropping history four out of the six years. And right now I think that cropping history is from 2000, oh, sorry, 13 to 18, I think it is right now. So they have to have it cropped within on an annual seeded commodity within those four out of those six years. Also, um, reporting their acreage always helps to come in and report that on an annual basis, whether you're in CRP or not. But that helps. And then, like I said, usually if they kind of come in with an idea where they want to have that land at, we can run it through, we call it our Terra scenario, but basically... They take that area, they put it on there, they kind of throw in the soil rates, and it kind of determines what the rental rate would be and then also to what the practices could be. NRCS, the Natural Resource Conservation Service, they also work with us to determine what would be the best practice for that area or that type of land that they're trying to bid into CRP. Okay. So... Now, after let's just assume that that a producer is accepted. What, What then... Do they need to do and are there different types of things that they have to to produce each year to show that they're in compliance with something? Yep. yep. After they're first told that they are accepted in a CRP offer, they will have to sign on the CRP contract. There's also a conservation plan which tells them what they have to do to maintain and are required to establish on their CRP over the life of the CRP practice. Then also, too, on an annual basis, you have to come in and certify your acres and tell us that it is still in CRP and that covers being maintained. You are subject to spot check any time within those 10 years or 15 years that it's in CRP. And if it's not meeting the requirements for that practice that you went into, there is compliance issues. The worst case scenario would be that we'd terminate a contract and you'd have to repay all those acres and all those annual payments you've received plus interest and liquidated damages. Also, too, if you would sell your CRP, if the new owner does not take over the CRP, you are responsible for refunding all those payments you have received on that CRP contract as well. Mm. So There's a lot to consider there. Yes, there is. Yep, yep. And I, I would imagine that, you know, probably doesn't come up often, but even if um, a uh, an owner or producer enters into a contract like this with, you know, no intention of stopping farming or whatever, you know, circumstances happen. Yes, they do. uh, And, you know, now if uh, another family member needs to 
make a decision on that, that comes into play too. Yep. The only thing, unfortunately, that we do kind of take into consideration if the person getting the payment on the CRP would pass away, Mm. the family does have that option then of canceling the CRP. And at that time, those payments would not have to be refunded. So okay. that's about the only time that those don't have to be refunded if you're backing out of a CRP contract. Right. So, but more frequently, selling. You know, I yes, mean, even yes. existing owners. Yep. Yeah. Deciding, boy, I I just can't do this anymore. Right, right. And then once the existing owner takes over that CRP, they are now responsible for all payments ever received on that CRP if they would back out after they've taken over the contract. Mm. So, it like you said, there is a lot to think about with that CRP. It's not. You come in and sign up, you get accepted, you plant it, and you forget about it for the next 10 to 15 years. So, Yeah, especially under the 15, I mean, 10 yes. years is long enough, but you go 15 years, that's getting to yeah. be a long time. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So, so you're, you know, there's a lot of paperwork involved, and or not, maybe not a lot of paperwork, but there's a lot of precision things that need to be done. Yeah, and it does get to be a little heavy on the paperwork, especially at the beginning part, and then to... During mid-year, halfway through it, like I said, usually if you have a 10-year contract, somewhere between years four and six, they want you to go out and, like I said, either do some clipping, um, clipping the whole thing or doing a burn on it. Occasionally, you can do like a light disking, you know, where you don't want to totally break it up, but you do want to refresh it a little bit. So mm-hmm. Now, once you're signed up and locked in. Yeah. There's no adjustments then until the end of that contract on that. Even cool. if even if other CRP programs come up in the meantime and are maybe paying more or whatever. Correct. And I know even over the years the rental rates have went up and down and um right now they're also looking at like around 140 mm-hmm. in Wright County. I mean, so that's dependent upon several different soils yeah. type, but it probably averages around that. So, And so advice from your office, uh, it's got to be a case-by-case basis, I'm sure. It is. It is. Yeah. And everybody, so like I said, they usually deal with Mark, and Mark is really good at that. Um, he runs the scenarios, kind of tells you, like I said, the rental rates, talks to you about the practices in coordination with NRCSs too, as far as what they feel like the land would be capable of producing. I mean, there are some areas you don't want to put a high expensive grass in there if for some reason all of a sudden, you know, it's in a lower area and the only thing it's ever going to produce is reed canary, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, you kind of want to want to work with them on how, what would be the best practice for your areas and your information. So. Good. Talking with Peggy Reed with Wright County FSA. Did we cover a CRP completely there? I think we did, okay. and more some. All right. <laughs> What else do we have today? Um, the other thing that we have going on in the office right now is we're all working on that agricultural risk coverage program or the price loss coverage program, or as we refer to it in the office a lot, is the ARC PLC program. And basically right now for 2019 and 20, you can come in and sign up for those two years together for whatever you elect for 2019 is going to carry you through for 2020. The sign up for the 2019 election is coming up on March 15th and then so like I said if you come in and sign up and you are running the farm you ran the farm in 19 and are planning to run it in 2020 more than likely your contracts will be signed up for both years by that March 15th deadline now if the land is changing operators from 19 to 20 then for 20 you still have until June 30th to come in and sign up for that program 
And under that program, there are three options. We have the PLC option, which is based mostly on prices. So there's a reference price for each covered commodity. And if those and that reference price is based a lot on the marketing year average price, which is determined at the end of the marketing year, but they project throughout the whole year. So like for small grains, it's usually the end of August, and for corn and soybeans, it's the end of September. So those prices, we won't know until those, but like I said, if you fall below those reference prices, then you would get paid for the PLC program. The other one is the ARC County, which they kind of determine a benchmark for five years prior to the year you're in. So for 2019, they're kind of looking at the county benchmark yields from 2013 to 17, as well as the benchmark prices, those marketing year prices for those same years. And from there, they determine a revenue amount. So then they look at the county averages for 2019, along with the marketing year averages. And if that would be less than that revenue from those five years benchmark, then they would receive a payment under our county. The last one is the ARC individual, and that's basically your, it's very similar to what you're using for the ARC county, other than you would be now using your own individual yields for that five-year benchmark and as well as for your current year revenue as well. So that is a decision to be made. Um, I know at Wright County we have sent out postcards where we've set up appointments for all the producers to come in. We greatly appreciate it if they could stick to those appointments because, like we said, March 13th or March 15th is a deadline for signing up on that. And also, too, if they already know which one of those three options they want to do, they should give us a call ahead of time for that appointment because then we can get those contracts ran and it's kind of saving us both times. The other thing with the ARC County and the PLC is you have the option of kind of mixing and matching those two together on a farm. But if you go with the ARC IC, then you have to pick the whole farm and all the bases on that farm to go on ARC IC. And that sounds like a lot of information. <laughs> so there again, it's uh, very much a case-by-case -case, um, yes. scenario and with what people are comfortable with, too. Correct, correct. The The only thing with the 2018 Farm Bill versus the 2014 is in 2014, if you made that election, it was for the remaining five years of the the farm bill. Now with this one, you're only locked in for 19 and 20. Starting in 21, you can again adjust each one of those on your farms for on an annual year until 2023. Okay. So. so more things to keep track of. Yeah. So Yep. And then also with the 2014 or 18 farm bill, they also are going to allow the producers to come and update their yields again. But that does not have to be done until September 30th. So that... That's another thing that we're kind of working on there. So, All pertinent topics here and yep. all coming up. We were talking prior to the program about uh, uh, producers kind of sitting it out here. We, you know, we've kind of gone back and forth a little bit here weather-wise. We've had some, some brief shots of uh, what appears to be kind of spring, and then again, you never know. So Yeah. Well, the groundhog said we're supposed to have an early spring, right? <laughs> <laughs> The last two years, you know, have just been, and last year particularly, just got so late for so yes. many. Yeah. And even if we do have an early spring, I'm just, a, I'm worried about how wet it was still at the end of the fall. Yeah. How much that's still going to come back into play. Even with an early spring, that may not mean they're able to get out in the fields because mm -hmm. they may still be wet. 
So, is there anything still standing out there, or did it oh, get pretty much in? Or there's a every once in a while you find a few fields of corn and occasionally a field of bean or two mm-hmm. that's still standing out there. So, so some of that's got to come off first. Too. Yes, it does. Which, and then tillage besides. And yeah, yeah. A lot of work to be done. Yes, there is. Well, at this point, all we can do is cross our fingers here and and hope for uh, something at least semi-early or kind of normal would be even enjoyable. Yes. I'm not sure we know what normal is anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Um, If people have questions on these programs we talked about today or just anything in general, what's what's best to do? They could get a hold of us at the office, and our number there is 763-682-1982. Or they can email us. Um, I guess I'd call. I don't have my email number or address right offhand, but yes. Okay. So, and are they expecting producers expecting future mailings yet, or are they pretty much out whatever they need? Um, I know the national office just sent out a postcard to all owners and operators on the farms if they haven't, which. Just as if you're a landowner and you receive that postcard and you do have somebody renting your land your renter will be the one that will come be coming in and dealing with us in the office. So okay. if you want to either contact your producer, your operator to see if they have dealt with it, if they're thinking about it or if questions, or they can still give us a call in the office too. We'll, we'll help them out if we can. Very good. Peggy Reed with Wright County FSA. Good to have you in studio. We're going to be doing this on a more regular basis. So, uh, Nice to be touching base with you, and then we look forward to the next time. Sounds good. Thank you. There's today's Spotlight on KRWC.